0: Good Friday, Psalm 22, through the eyes of a scribe. Really? Through the eyes of a scribe. Yeah, a religious leader. He's there on the scene. He's watching this, the ultimate Passover lamb, Yeshua or Jesus, right? He is the ultimate Passover Passover was always pointing to him the, the lamb the perfect lamb of God and you're watching it play out right before your eyes and you're blown away because you knew the scriptures you knew Psalm 22 and you're seeing it play out that's what you're going to see in this episode we're going to go on a trip we're going to go back almost 2,000 years and you're going to imagine you are this scribe watching this unfold right before you this is going to be amazing right. So good Friday, right? Okay. Psalm 22, through the eyes of a scribe. So here's the Hebrew, and this is just the introduction of the Psalm. And this is how you would have read it in those days. And then here, imagine this. Okay. (laughs) We're going on this journey right now, you guys. You're in Jerusalem. It's 32 AD. You've had this cute little lamb with you for Almost five days now and it's now it's Passover morning, it's a Friday, it's it's a beautiful day. You have to take this beautiful little lamb with you down to the temple. To the entrance, right here, where the priest would see you and and he would greet you, and he would just look at the lamb. He would inspect the lamb, not you. He would just look at the lamb and see if it was found without fault, right, without blemish. And when the the lamb was found without blemish, he would he wouldn't look at you once to inspect you, but he would look at the lamb. Then you, when it was good, it was a perfect lamb without blemish. You could bring it in for the sacrifice for your sins and for your family sins. So this is a a big deal. So you can freely go to the temple of God and you can worship there. That's that's the context of what this day was like for many of the Jewish men and, and the families there back in this day. They had to bring the lamb with them, right? So that's what we see here. We see this, this cute little perfect lamb without blemish. And by the way, these were born in Bethlehem and they were bought by the temple priests back then and and, and brought up to Jerusalem about five miles away and, and brought into the temple. So <clears throat> here we have... The temple as what it would have looked like uh, back in Yeshua's time, back in Jesus' time. This was the temple that Herod uh, rebuilt and and made beautiful. And you're bringing your lamb down into this gate again, right? And this is this is just part of what Passover is about. And so here you see the temple again, and and you're excited because you get to go in and worship. And again, here's the the priest meets you right here at the entrance, and he en- examines and he en- exp- he, he cross examines, he inspects the lamb and looks for a blemish. And he says to you, he says, and this makes you very happy, he says, I find no fault in him. So you can bring your lamb in for the sacrifice and you could freely go in to worship Yahweh, to worship God, right? So you're excited, you and your family. This is a great, awesome thing. And you're very excited about it. So you go in and and you're worshiping in there and then you hear a commotion. I'm going to go back to the what, what we're talking about here. So the context is you see, there's this great commotion on the other side of the temple area where the Antonio Fortress is. This is where the Romans are. It's a, it's a horrible thing. You don't like that the Romans are there occupying your country, but they're there. And you hear this commotion and you hear a crowd yell out, crucify him crucify him but then you hear the distinct sound of pontius pilate's voice saying but i find no fault in him and it brings you back to your lamb you're you're remembering that your your lamb was found with no fault right and that's what we see we see that your lamb was found with no fault and you're like what, what what's going on here something Something strange is going on. And then later, you you see a big mob, a big crowd, and they're moving up to the east towards that hill called Golgotha or Calvary. And you see Yeshua, that, that rabbi that you heard about, and he's carrying wood on his back and he's been beaten badly. He has stripes on his back from, from being scourged by the Romans. And he's going up the hill and people are mocking him. And he's walking up that hill and you realize he is going to be crucified. With two criminals up on the top of that hill. And then later you see him up there crucified and you wonder what is going on. So you head up there about 9 a.m. You're heading up there and you're you're gonna see what's going on. But then suddenly something amazing, something eerie actually happens and it starts to get dark in the middle of the day. It's it's noon. It's it's only the third hour, and it's it's getting dark, very dark to where it's it's just scary. People are starting to freak out. You hear women screaming in the background and it's getting darker and darker. And the Bible says this, you guys. It says this. And it says it in Mark. And here we we see it says then the sixth hour noon came. And I'm sorry, I said the sixth hour or the third hour, but it's the sixth hour, which is noon came and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is what? 3 p.m. That's the brightest time of the day, you guys. Don't you agree with that? That why would it get dark during this time? And by the way, if you're a critic of this, There are secular historians from that time that recorded a darkness in that area, so dark that they said that you can feel it, if you can imagine what that was like. Secular, not not Christian historians, but secular have recorded this darkness. So something very strange is going on here, you guys, very eerie and strange, and then you, as a scribe, you're you're looking up and you see everything gets really dark. And here's Jesus on the cross. And it gets darker and darker. Here he is, he's hanging on the cross. You can barely see him now as you're up there on top of that hill with everybody else, but you still hear mocking. But Jesus is very silent. In fact, he was silent. He didn't say a word up there on that cross. And it brought your mind. You were you were going to Isaiah 53, where it says that he was silent, like a lamb before his shears. He was silent. And then it gets pitch black from noon all the way to 3 p.m., the brightest time of the day. It is pitch black. And Jesus, Yeshua, didn't say anything. He was quiet, but then at the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Suddenly you realize as a scribe, Jesus, Yeshua shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was the ultimate rabbi and he was taking everybody there to Psalm 22 and you knew it. It says this, the beginning of the psalm says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very words that this great rabbi up on the cross of all places shouting this out so everybody there would understand what is going on. And then suddenly it gets light. The day gets bright. And you also realize as a scribe who knew the scriptures, that Psalm 22, the title was Eliath Shakar. Shakar means the dawn, day, light. So you're seeing Psalm 22 being fulfilled right before your eyes and you are just blown away by this. This This is just incredible. Suddenly it's light in Jerusalem. And you know that this psalm is being fulfilled, the psalm of the dawn as it's called. And then you hear Yeshua cry out. He cries out. Why are you, he doesn't cry this out, but he, in his mind, you could imagine that he would be because Psalm 22 is being fulfilled right now. And you remember it. Why are you so far from saving me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, the Psalm continues and you realize this is what's happening. Oh, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but i find no rest and you realize it is day now and he's crying out but it was also night for 3 hours but i am a worm verse 6 or or in the hebrew bible verse 7 says i am a worm or that word is tola right tola and no and not even a person not a person a disgrace of mankind and despised by the people so this is the actual worm that would stick itself to a tree to give life to its offspring one time in its life, and it would die, and it would literally burst open and stain the wood red, a crimson red color for, get this, three days, and then it would turn as white as snow, and it would fall to the ground like a snowflake. That is the worm of Psalm 22. It's called the tola, and I actually wrote a book about it you can check that book out. It's, it's actually right here behind me. It's Tola Shani. You can get that on Amazon or other places like that. But you're going to see what this, just this one verse, verse six in your Bibles or verse seven in your Hebrew Bibles, this Tola tells a story of the cross, you guys. Because it gives life to its offspring. It dies that there's this red stain on the wood that it was attached to for three days. And then it turns as white as snow. Which which brings us to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. And though they be as crimson, and that word is tola, they shall be made as wool. Like lamb's wool, pure and white and clean. Wow, isn't this amazing? All being fulfilled right before your eyes as a scribe. So then it continues and you see that. You see that Tola in your mind as a scribe. You know it's used for dyeing for the red dye for the fabrics of the temple, for the priestly garments, for the veil of the temple, for the scarlet yarn, it's from the crushing of this little creature that's found on all the oak trees in the land of Israel. And then it brings you back and you realize Isaiah is being fulfilled too. It says, with his stripes, we are healed. There's stripes on that little creature, the tola, the worm of, of Psalm 22. But you also see, and it makes you very sad, the stripes on Yeshua, And it says that all who see me, you remember this Psalm 22, all who see me deride me. They sneer and they they shake their heads. You see people around Yeshua right now mocking Jesus, mocking him and making fun of him. The Roman soldiers, some of the Jewish leaders, some of the religious leaders, some of the common people mocking Yeshua. And you realize this is Psalm 22, which was written by David 1,000 years earlier. David was writing it as if he was looking down from the cross and seeing the whole scene before his eyes. And it continues, my friend, watch this. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Suddenly you, as this scribe, you're looking around and you see the Roman soldiers and they're casting lots for Yeshua's clothing and you're you're blown away. The psalm is being fulfilled right in front of you, right before your eyes. This is mind-blowing. My goodness. And then you remember the psalm, it says, my strength is dried up like a piece of pottery and my tongue clings to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. After this, John chapter 19, verse 28 says, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. What did that psalm just, just say? My strength is dried up like a piece of, of pottery. Pottery dry, my friend, and my tongue clings to my jaw. My, that is a sign of dehydration, my friend. And that's what happens on the cross. It's proven there's, they've done studies on this that if those who are crucified become extremely dehydrated, it's like they're all, they sweat all of the liquid out and it's just a horrible way to die. But this is the way that Jesus, God the Son, He chose to die this way. It was the plan from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden. It was the plan even before that to save us, to save you, my friend, and me. This is why He went to the cross. It wasn't the Romans that put Him there. It wasn't the Jewish people that put Him there. It wasn't anything but Himself. God, the son, and the father who had this plan, he willingly went up there. And that scribe would have realized that even Abraham and Isaac 2,000 years plus earlier went up the very same mountain and Isaac had the wood on his back and the father, Abraham, had the torch in his hand, which speaks of God's wrath. And they went up to the top and Isaac was bound and laid upon the wood. And you as a scribe are seeing this unfold right before your eyes. It was a fulfillment of all of this. The Old Testament was showing this magnanimous moment with Yeshua. This is amazing, you guys. So then the psalm, you remember the psalm and it says, Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. Suddenly there's a shift and this is where the Psalm shifts because the beginning is this torture and the, and the total pain and the suffering of the cross. And now you're seeing a shift and you're seeing triumph and victory. But the lion's mouth, remember Peter said that Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And now we're seeing that. Yeshua is crying out to his father, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. And then he says, You have, you answer me. So something is shifting here in this psalm, you guys. All the ends of the earth, further down, this psalm says, will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. Something amazing and something triumphant has happened here on this scene. And the psalm continues, for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. A posterity or a remnant will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. That's us, you guys. (laughs) They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. Us again, right? The psalm continues and it ends with this, my friend, watch this. That he has done it. That's how the psalm ends. And that word is right here in Hebrew, and it's asa. Asa in Hebrew, which means what? Accomplished. Accomplished. Advance. A point apt uh, to be at, become, bear. He bore our sins, right? Bestow. He took upon it uh, himself. Bruise. Remember in the garden, he, God said to, to Adam and Eve and to the serpent that you shall bruise his heel to the serpent, but he will crush your head. So when you see a bruised heel, which is on Jesus' there's a crushed head and what's that satan but that word asah means it is finished and in john chapter 19 verse 30 says when jesus had received the sour wine it says here he said it is finished and he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit this seems like a very sad moment, my friend, but it was actually very triumphant and it was victory. When Jesus shouted out to in the Greek, it means it is finished or paid in full. Like it was all paid for every sin, all of your sin, all of my sin, all of humans, mankind, humankind's sins were all paid in full. But you have to receive and believe him and trust him, put your faith in him to receive that forgiveness. And it's a prayer away. All you have to do is pray from your heart to receive this, my friend. But isn't this amazing that the psalm had the same word, asa in Hebrew, which means it is finished, it is accomplished, paid in full. It's the same thing as what Jesus cried out, yelled out, shouted out for everyone to hear. He he shouted out the end of that psalm. Not only did he shout out in the beginning, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Bringing everyone to Psalm 22. At the very end, he brought everyone to Psalm 22. And you as a scribe would have seen that. He brought everyone there by saying, asa, but not in Hebrew. He said it in the Greek. He said, tetelestai, it is finished. It is accomplished. Wow. What is accomplished? He bore all of your sin, all of my sin. This is why it's Good Friday, my friend. It's, no, it's, it's Great Friday. This is the greatest moment in history, my friend. We're going to look at that one more time. Here we are. In the Hebrew, in the Psalm, it ends with Asa. Asa. It means accomplished, advance, appoint, apt, be at, become. Remember, he became sin who knew no sin. He bore our iniquities. He bore our suffering. He bore our transgressions. He bestowed. He went forth and did it. And he was bruised. His heel was bruised. And what does that mean? By the way, guys, there's a medical term. It's called lividity. And when investigators want to investigate how a person died, what position they were in, they look for what looks like bruising on their side. If you died on your side, there would be is the blood would pool up on the inside and it would look like bruising. If you died upright, like on a cross, there would be bruising on your heel. Just like Genesis chapter three, right? Or Bereshit, if you're in, in Israel, where God said that you, you, know, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head to Satan. And this was the death defying blow to Satan right here on the cross. Jesus' heel was bruised, but Satan's head was crushed. All of his authority was crushed. Here it is again. I can't, I just I can't stop it. Asa in Hebrew, accomplished, bruise. He bore our sin. It's so good, you guys, is it not? Remember, Jesus cried out, it is finished, paid in full. All of our sin, past, present, and future, paid for, paid in full, my friend. It is great, great Friday. And that is why we call it Good Friday, my friend. That's why it is the greatest Friday ever. So good, is it not? Right on, you guys. Hey, I love you. And by the way, I'm going to be preaching this tonight. I'm releasing this video on a Friday morning, and it's Good Friday when I'm releasing this video, and guess what? I'm preaching on it tonight at my local church, Dungeness Community Church. You can get the link down below and you can watch it live, okay, at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm I'm over in Washington State over by Seattle. So Pacific Time, you can watch it live. Invite your friends because there's going to be opportunity where they can give their life to Jesus. And By the way, if you would like to be born again and be saved and have all of your sins forgiven because Jesus already paid for them. If you'd like to credit get your account credited as righteous and be forgiven by God, you can do that right now, my friend. You can say this simple prayer with me. You're praying from your heart. To God. You're not praying to me or anybody else. You just stop what you're doing if you'd like to do this to be born again as a child of God, to be forgiven and freed up. The biggest experience I had when I was born again. Was this sense of freedom and lightness? I had, it was like a heavy weight was lifted off of me and cast into outer space. I felt free and clean and washed clean and, and just filled with God's love, the Holy Spirit filling me up. And this could be you too, my friend. And the first step is to say a prayer to believe in him. Would you like to do that? If you would, you can say this prayer right after me. All right just repeat these words after me this is a prayer between you and God you're praying to receive Jesus into your life to be he's going to be your lord and your master and your savior he's you're going to he's going to take residence in your heart my friend would you like to do that all right pray these words after me just repeat after me dear god i know that i'm a sinner and i'm sorry for my sin please forgive me of my sin Help me to turn from my sin. I choose to follow Jesus. I believe that He died on the cross. I believe that He shed His blood for me. And I believe that in three days, He was raised from the dead and He's alive today. I choose to follow Him as my Lord and as my Savior from this day forward. Please help me to do that. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, my friend. Hey, God loves you. God loves you. And you are a new, fresh child of God. You are born fresh with a new life. And make sure you're reading the Bible every day If you're in Israel, start reading the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. Read them both and and get connected with like One for Israel or Jews for Jesus. They're really good. There's a a channel called So Be It. You might want to check it out on YouTube. They're really good, you guys. But don't forget, you can catch this message tonight. Good Friday, right? Tonight, online at Dungeon Community Church. There's a link down below and you can watch it live. Invite your friends. All right, you guys, God bless you. I love you.